Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh... Can I please have your attention? Can you dig it? Greetings, dear listeners. This is Jonah Goldberg, host of the Remnant Podcast, brought to you by the Dispatch and Dispatch Media, and by the totally um, shocking random uh, combination of of particles and gases that formed this planet over, you know, ten billion years ago. Um, and today is the first Friday of the month, so we are doing the Drive Time, uh, what we call the Drive Time Podcast. Um, uh, with uh, my amanuensis at the American Enterprise Institute, Guy Denton. Hi, Guy. Hello, Master. I mean, Jonah. Um, <laughs> and um, and Ryan Brown, our roving free safety producer, reporter, guy at uh, The Dispatch. Uh, Ryan, Hello. good to see you. Good to see you. Is that a fair way to characterize you? Yeah, that's literally what I tell people. Is I actually really like the roaming free safety <laughs> utility yeah. player. So that's what I tell people. Um, um, it's sort of like a, you know, when you talk to a general contractor and it's like, do you have a guy who can do this? Yeah, I got a guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, the dispatcher's guy. I yeah. think that is. And we don't, we mean that lowercase G. Yes, right. Guy. Obviously, I would not, never pretend not, to take that place. No, you wouldn't. Not, no. not deracinated Albion Seed over here. No, um, no, no. So, oh, I apologize. I, I We got a lot of complaints about my excessive drinking on mic uh, from a solo podcast last week. That's I, my fault. Yeah. I should cut those out. <laughs> yes, it is, Ryan. Um, <laughs> yes, I'll take should. the blame for that. I okay. will take the blame but for I, that. I, 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 like, and it was it was interesting how some people were very. It was, I mean, I expect this kind of behavior from guy, but like <laughs> like normals were like, I hope you take this in the right way. I don't mean anything by it. I you know blah 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 blah. <laughs> Please don't hit me again. Yeah, basically, it was like pre-flinch kind of apologetics <laughs> about like but I really think you should do something about all the sipping on the microphone. <laughs> and I was like, that's a perfectly legitimate criticism. I yeah. would never punish a normal person for making it. I mean, like I can't talk about guy, but that's a different issue. Well, um, what's funny is, so when I talk about it, I'll get deported. So <laughs> you're in the clear. What's funny is when you used to do those, the solos at night, mm-hmm. when clearly what was in the, the glass was whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we thought it was all whiskey. We didn't get a ton of complaints. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's in the morning and it's clearly well, coffee. It's coffee, yeah. And I think it's less uh less fun. Yeah. I mean so I will I will do a better job. I apologize. I mean to all the listeners. just to clear up any rumors that I'm sort of like Patches O'Houlihan from Dodgeball. It is not my <laughs> own urine. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, because you drink it because it's sterile and you like the yeah. taste. Um so we had a long, serious meeting here before we started recording about what we were going to talk about, and we came up with exactly nothing. Um, we don't want to talk about abortion anymore. No. Um, but um, I think it's interesting. Let me put it this way. I think it's interesting. Like, I'm in my early 50s. 
I've been married for 20 years. I do not socialize very much because I don't like the, the humans. <laughs> He's not lying, folks. Uh, so like, and I live largely in a conservative world or and or in an extended Catholic conservative family of my wife's and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So like in my 20s, abortion was an incredibly fraught thing to talk about in social settings because you never knew where people came yeah. down and it's sort of like the Seinfeld episode at Poppy's right? yeah, yeah, which sets everybody episode. up. Yeah. But like, I am utterly insulated from, from all this. Also having been around for a while debating this stuff, I, I can, I can talk about this stuff diplomatically in yeah. ways that, you know, like avoiding some of the bigger problems. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that, that you 20 something cowards don't want to talk about it either. Um, <laughs> is in the Washington that you guys live in, um, is it the kind of thing that can just ruin the con ruin the night if it comes up at a dinner party or something like that? It do it doesn't like it just doesn't come up. I think yeah. probably because like people are afraid of that. And honestly, nowadays people just post what the other memes that everybody else posts on their Instagram story, and they feel like, okay, I did my part, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I'm done. Whether it's whether you're pro life or pro choice, I think that's just kind of the mode of of getting your voice out there nowadays and it doesn't come up in social conversation yet anyway yeah give it time give yeah i know it it's, this is the first weekend since it happened right so yeah not really yeah. been maybe to report like, back at the next yeah, drive yeah, time exactly. you know? yeah i'll be like yeah actually yeah don't bring it up why if why are you walking funny yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> um god does it come up i mean i know your base my gather that a large part of your social circle is an extended network from the dispatch and from the american enterprise yeah, so say. it's not necessarily a representative <laughs> sample but my, my social network goes beyond that but they are all in the conservative nerd bubble for the most part yeah, yeah so right. it's not largely representative i mean the, the funny contrast though is in england the only people who really care about abortion and will bring it up in conversation are hardcore catholics or similarly pious people and philosophy students mm. otherwise it's not an issue and yeah, it has yeah. like similarly well gay marriage it's funny to think that that only got legalized 2015 i think it was i can't remember but oh, wow. abortion divorce the issues here that still the issues that still animate social conservatives here mm -hmm. really are not political problems there at all and are mm. essentially not even discussed or thought about by most especially secular average yeah, yeah, yeah. middle-class kind of people. Do you know what the regulations on abortion are in the UK? Um, not specifically, but I would, I would guess as, as open as the average blue state here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, I mean, part of the reason I bring this up is like, um, you know, this is a point that at NR we've been, we made for, a gazillion years you know i remember i think I, it's first from john o'sullivan but like when you make the when you talk to a... when you talk to europeans right about like john o'sullivan british former um editor of national review uh you know he would talk about how he would when he would go to europe and he spends a lot of time in europe um mm -hmm. and people say why are you american why are the americans just so crazy about abortion stuff and mm -hmm. And he would say, um, well, you know, you have to understand that under Roe and Doe, um, and then maybe, you know, after Casey, it was a little different, but uh, he would say that, you know, he would point out that it's constitutional um, to 
have abortions straight through the third trimester. And then the Europeans were like, that's barbaric, right? And so <laughs> it's it's the average European country is basically where the median U.S. voter is, which is that mm. depending on how you define, you know, the first, you know, I mean, what do you call it, the first trimester or like early abortions, most Americans are like, yeah, that should probably be left up to the woman, you know, and that they mm-hmm. elective abortions at that early abortions are should be kept legal. And then the medium term, you know, second called second trimester, people are like, yeah, some reasonable restrictions can be put on that. And then third trimester are like, yeah, gross, unless it's like the yeah. life of the mother or something yeah. along those lines. And that's sort of where I think, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I know we talk, said we weren't going to talk about abortion stuff, but like <laughs> if you never had Roe, that is probably where the country would have ended up. Yeah. And we wouldn't have had the 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 mess of what we've got. But um, the sociology of it in England, I, I can't speak to O'Sullivan's point because I'm one of my jaunts to Europe. I've never stopped people at dinner and said, hey, how do you feel about abortion? Let's really make this interesting. How's your French? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Je ne comprends pas, Jonah. But the, um, in England, obviously, and this goes back to your G-file point, it isn't discussed partly because it isn't a political issue anymore, but it also isn't discussed because people still aren't comfortable with right, it. Right. And mm-hmm. people, do, as you said, as you hammered home do not like abortion right <laughs> even people who have abortions find it deeply uncomfortable and yeah. distressing to talk about right 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 is so, there is there less incentive in britain to like engage in a culture war like is it just less politically advantageous as it is here uh culture war e- exists but it's not i wouldn't say it's as prominent and it's over yeah. different things okay and yeah, what, what is the biggest hot button UK yeah. culture war issue. Well, I suppose. What the, to do about the Irish? Uh, <laughs> well, we, we solved that, that's, that that's, that's bled into this room. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on it. Don't, don't drink out of that tumbler, Ryan. <laughs> but um, I, I would, I think, especially over the last ten years, the wokery and all of the, all of the social justice kind of culture war shenanigans have mm. definitely bled over into England. And I remember when the Black Lives Matter protests started here, they also took off in England too for largely no discernible reason yeah, yeah, yeah. because there weren't, irrespective of how what you may think about racism and whether it's a serious issue in England or not, there weren't comparable tragedies to launch those kind of events. And then it's gradually built up over the last few years. And then in 2020, 2020 when everyone was bored and trapped indoors and restless it really exploded over the summer in the same way that it did here and now issues like tearing down statues and what should be taught in schools and what should be taught in colleges and whether free speech is under threat in colleges and many of the many of the obvious issues that we debate and we are interested in are uh, likewise discussed in England too and likewise have, have very much shaped a lot of the discourse and have shaped the Conservative Party's platform in England too mm-hmm. but at the same time the Conservative Party since it's socially progressive largely by American standards doesn't right. care very much about that kind of thing yeah. and only uses it as a political tool so again that diminishes it slightly I mean I think part of the thing that it's hard for 
Americans don't always appreciate is that most countries, I mean, England is sort of closer to America than, than a lot of places, but at the end of the day, most countries are fairly ethnically and culturally homogeneous, right? Mm -hmm. And so the culture war stuff is going to be different. Um, part of it's partly it's just an issue of scale, right? I mean, like if Russia were a fun functioning modern developed democracy, you could see them having lots of culture war fights mm -hmm. because the people who live in Irkutsk might disagree with the people who, you know, who live in, you know, um, in Moscow. Right. And, yeah. um, because they have different traditions, they grew up in different communities. They've, you know, maybe even have different ethnicities and all that kind of stuff. And, and the UK, I mean, obviously there's, I mean, it's not really a culture war between the Irish and the English. It was just like a war, right? It was just a little different. You know? and, um, but a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, gets resolved with Henry VIII creating, you know, the, the state church and I mean, all that kind of stuff. You had your culture wars a lot earlier. Um, but in America, it's just this vast continental country with different communities seeing things different ways, which has sort of thanks to technology and the changing nature of our politics, one size fits all politics imposed on a vast sprawling place. And what's, I mean, I haven't read the Yasha Monk book yet. I've listened to a couple of his podcasts on it, but you know, he's got this book out about the, how democracies fail, how diverse democracies fail. And I think there's some good points to be made about that. And so far as, um, you know, I've, I've long thought that immigration is a good, uh, forget good, that's a normative or, 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 or value laden thing is often an efficient corrective to socialism insofar as like if you're a Scandinavian, let's say you're a prototypical Scandinavian country, perhaps, perhaps like the one that Bernie Sanders imagines most Scandinavian countries to be, um, everybody's grandmother looks like your grandmother. Everybody's grandma cooks the same kinds of dishes, right? The yeah. idea of a social safety net that protects everybody's grandmother, um, <laughs> that we're sort of all in it together kind of thing. Um, you can say this is a racist thing, but it's, I don't think it actually is. I just think it's a natural human thing. Those kinds of arguments sail through a lot easier. But then when you start bringing in immigrants with different value sets, um, I don't think it has to do necessarily with color, but you know, color probably exacerbates some of it. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, the arguments for the welfare state change. And you start making arguments about how, well, why are we, you know, these people are coming here to, you know, take advantage of our generosity and all that kind of thing. And there's some ugly forms of those kinds of arguments and there's some perfectly legitimate forms of those kinds of arguments, but cultural and ethnic and historical homogeneity kind of, you know, unless you, unless you start introducing large scale religious differences, it just makes culture war arguments kind of harder yeah. to, to take root True. because everybody sort of is like, they're all sharing the same cultural right. touchstones. You know? Yeah, that and, and Immigration too, That's I, I didn't think of that, but it's absolutely right. It's a massive issue in England. It has been a yeah. massive yeah. issue in England really since the beginning of the 2000s yeah. and when Blair was very liberal about immigration and then Cameron and the successive governments carried it on and then <laughs> Cameron and his cabinet were completely ignorant of that and completely ignorant of why People obviously, I'm very pro-immigration, right. but the kind of mass immigration in England was just changing people's communities at a very rapid pace. Right, right. And for people who'd yeah. lived there all their lives and saw those changes taking hold, that was scary to them, yeah. just for obvious reasons. And that 
the backlash to that was a huge contributing factor to Brexit and yeah. one of the fundamental right. pillars of Brexit, even though some people say it wasn't. <laughs> right, right, Everyone right. knew it was, and that in yeah. many ways was the issue, even though there are others yeah. at play. Yeah. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And like, um, um, you know, the I have some very conservative British friends who aren't necessarily against immigration, but, you know, part of the argument, I don't want to identify them, but, you know, part of the arguments they would make to me back in the day would be like, um, you know, there was a time during not even just the British Empire, um, but even the post-imperial age where the highest aspiration for a Pac an Anglophilic Pakistani or, or Indian was to be the member of a London exclusive club, mm -hmm. right? To be like mm -hmm. a British gentleman. And I, the only reason I bring that up is that like, that's a form of assimilation that when you get rid of that kind of assimilation where everybody, you know, where the immigrants are expected to sound British, talk British, some, in some cases, you know, and this is a very well-documented phenomenon where people who yearn to be British or American or German or whatever, and aren't born in those places, tend to overcompensate by being more British or German sure, or whatever and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I mean, the great example, great negative example about this, which I'm not making analogies, it's just an example of the phenomenon, were the Austrian Nazis who all wanted to out-German the actual Germans about how pure mm -hmm. German-ness they were, including <laughs> this guy Hitler. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I think the problem is you, my only point is like when you, Immigration becomes more of a divisive culture war issue when you've let go of the idea of assimilation because all of a sudden you're saying people are getting to bring in, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is, I'm not sure. a value judgment, sure. and I have my opinions about it, but like when you start bringing in people who, and the perception is they don't care about becoming Americans or Brits or whatever, mm -hmm. it just gives it a much more radioactive kind of yeah. feel to it. Yeah. Very serious first topic. Yeah, no, I know. And I apologize. Whoever, so, whoever would thought this podcast was lacking right. actual stuff. A Jew, you an just Irishman, and a Brit walk in the recording <laughs> studio. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the other day, uh, Megan McCain tweeted. Uh, That's more like it. There we go. Right? <laughs> that it is clear that Kim Kardashian dominates and controls and sets the tone for American popular culture given the last few days or last 48 hours or something like this. Yeah. And I saw this tweet and I assume Megan knows what she's talking about and has a point and she's yeah. right. I'm not criticizing her. I was just simultaneously flummoxed and proud that I had no <laughs> idea what she was referring to. So yeah. like, did Kim Kardashian do something important in the last seven days? Youngins? Uh, Ryan. <laughs> I know she, I mean, all I can think of, and I mean, I guess I'm a little more plugged into that type of thing, but I actually did. All so increases the, from zero are infinite. Yeah. So you were infinitely <laughs> more. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. That is fair. I actually did the other day. So the Kardashians, keeping up with the Kardashians, the show on E! was canceled. Or not canceled. They stopped doing it. Here comes a disquisition like on the Will Smith slap from last time. <laughs> Kardashians. Yeah. But Hulu picked it up. So they have a Hulu show. And I watched the first episode just because I was like, why? I don't, I kind of want to understand. Like, what is the point? 
why would someone watch this? And I watched the first episode and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't understand. But because um, it's just straight up just reality. I guess it's kind of addicting, but it's not my thing. But she showed up to the White House Correspondents Dinner with Pete Davidson, uh-huh. the SNL guy. And I think that that was a big deal. That might have been their first like public appearance together, I think, maybe. Um, but other than that, I, I have no idea. Uh, but why like why Megan McCain would tweet that she is the barometer of pop culture for that? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and so just again, uh, asking from a position of <laughs> from behind the veil of ignorance. Yeah. In the Rawlsian sense. Uh, I'm not saying that you guys necessarily know the answer to this, but maybe yeah. some woman has told you the answer to this. <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll what, go with, no matter what we say next. Why is Pete Davidson considered some sort of like, I mean, like. I look at him and I don't say like there are guys you look at and you're like, that's a handsome dude. Sure. Right. You know, I don't have that reaction when I look at Pete Davidson. Yeah. yeah. I look at that dude and I'm like, you know, um, man, do I hate skateboarders, you know, or <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know, yeah. or, 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 you know, um, uh, you know, I don't want to or kombucha from that guy, right. you know, yeah, I mean, no, like, he's just not. Yeah. Like, but yeah. he somehow is considered like a hot property. Yeah. Is there an explanation for this? I, I, if if men could figure that out, I think they would be, <laughs> they'd be worth a lot of money. No, I have no idea. Like I, I, I personally don't think he's that funny. Like all due respect to Pete Davidson, but like, I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't I, understand it. But I, I look the opposite of him. So I do have a lovely girlfriend, but I don't, I don't think she has a crush on him. So I don't know. You have nothing for me to do, guys. I'm not even entirely sure who Pete Davidson is. Really? <laughs> He's the guy who got into the spat with Dan Crenshaw and Crenshaw, you know, yeah. took oh. the high road. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. SNL. Uh, he was in the very beginning of Suicide Squad and um, was one of the guys who got oh, killed, he? I think. I oh. think. I remember the Crenshaw Maybe. thing. I have no idea of why. <laughs> um, he like rose to me. He's super young. His dad has died dad. on 9 11. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, I think he was a firefighter that yeah. like but rushed the building. So. I mean, he's got an interesting story. He has a movie too that's pretty good, I think. Um, but no, yeah, I don't. King of Staten Island, yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, it's basically his life story, I think. Um, but no, I don't. I don't understand it. But I, I think it's, it's confused a lot of people. So, have you guys people. watched Ozark? No, I saw the early episodes of it. I think. Yeah, I started to watch it and had to stop because I was like, this is like too dark for me. Well, it gets it, darker. I know, so I stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, eh, "Where are all the leprechauns?" Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, no one's laughing. Um, have you guys watched Raised by Wolves? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so no, no, is, no. I don't even know what that is. Okay, so like, I got David on it. David is 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 off his feed because it's such a weird show. Like, and then last <laughs> night, uh, I'm on a group text thread with David, Steve, and Klon, and nice. uh, Klon was asking me and David if you should try it and so it's this ridley scott show um sci-fi show and it makes like japanese game shows and mexican soap operas seem like masterpiece theater (laughs) it is so friggin' weird i mean like weird and disturbing and there are it's just it's so weird and like bad it's good is it one of those well no it's it's so it's a little uh, like it's a little like Westworld in the okay. sense that I'm not ch- like like I think it's better than Westworld, but okay. um, Westworld was was people liked Westworld, right? Yeah, but like, the thing about Westworld that was sort of amazing was that um, 
it could hold your attention really well without necessarily holding your interest because oh. like <laughs> it made no friggin' sense. It was really kind of stupid. They kind of yeah. lost the plot, but the nudity and the violence and the, the set stuff was interesting. Right. And some of the acting, I guess was interesting, but it was really stupid. And, yeah. um, that's not this, this is like dark <laughs> and weird and makes you feel unsafe. Hmm. Um, and every time you think you get a handle on what's going on, it just goes to 11. Whoa. Um, it's very, it's weird. It's weird. Hmm. Um, and well, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Oh, I would like to watch the first episode or two. And if, if it doesn't induce nausea, uh, <laughs> you'll, it's compelling. Yeah. But it's just, what's it on Apple TV. Oh yeah. I actually like Apple TV. I think Apple TV so far is yeah. winning the term. Certainly if it's, if it, the ratio of, good to bad is better than well, any place else because there's like nothing there's like, very little there's, on. there's very little i think that's yeah. that's their whole thing right like they're yeah. apple they don't need to be doing this but they're just making really good shows did you watch severance right i did what did you what did you think of i watched it too um besides the fact that nick pompella is a central character um shout out to nick yeah uh it's uh Forget Mech, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. This is a new era. Yeah. Um, um, kind of felt to me like the takeoff was really, really interesting. Yeah. And then the plane circled the airport for like five episodes. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> That's a great, that is a phenomenal way of saying it. And then the landing uh, just wasn't worth you don't even know if you landed you don't even know if you landed yeah exactly like right. that's yeah, that was like it's stuck on the tarmac yeah kind of thing, exactly you know? and so i mean metaphors can only take you so far um yeah. super intriguing like i i was i was very intrigued by it the whole time but yeah i wanted a li like i wanted a little bit more i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do any spoilers but like at the yeah. end of it i was like just come on like give us a little bit more here yeah, yeah. it was quite the cliffhanger but they're doing a season two yeah so so do you guys watch the new batman movie I did. Yeah. No. What'd you think? <laughs> I didn't like it. Jack, well, I saw it with Jack and uh, Alec uh -huh. from uh, The Dispatch. And Caleb, too. Caleb was there. And I think someone oh. else was there, but I'm forgetting. Very sorry if there was someone else. Oh, no, it was Harvest. <laughs> it was Harvest. Okay. We were all there. And it's sort of, <laughs> in ascending order, our opinions increased along the row. So Jack despised it. Uh -huh. I didn't like it, but I thought it had more merit than Jack did. Caleb was indifferent to it. Alex said he didn't like it, but then revealed he did. And Harvest, I think, loved it. My, I, I, um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't like any of the old 80s or 90s Batman movies. I don't think any of them have aged well. What about the 60s? Well, that's that's high art. Well, but okay, you, yeah. you, you <laughs> like the Nolan Batman. I do, yeah. yeah. I, I really do. And I, I think those... Uh, words are failing me but i think those will endure as even though they have even though they have flaws and they do have sure. silly moments as great films especially the dark knight is a yeah. game-changing modern movie this uh, my so two things i appreciated it isn't really what struck me is that the movie isn't really about anything it doesn't mm -hmm. really have themes it sort of hints Ooh. at the same class conflict and anarchy versus order that joker did but it doesn't really go into it there are a few modern political illusions to make the audience go ah i recognize that but there's nothing more substantial than that to it it's just a detective story which is good 
But I didn't think it was, <laughs> I did not think it was a well-told detective story. I didn't think there was, the Riddler, taking the Riddler in that direction, I thought was interesting, but I didn't like the result. And Paul Dano, even though he's a good actor, just made me giggle the entire time because mm -hmm. I thought he was so ridiculously Ooh. hammy. The, the, the guy, he's he was in There Will Be Blood as the oh. preacher. He's been in a few other things. Okay, just a character actor. And right? yeah, and, okay. and he's the Riddler in this. And the Riddler looks like he's in a Marilyn Manson music video yeah, yeah, yeah. or maybe in a Devo <laughs> video from the yeah. 80s. So yeah. that kept distracting me. I always thought the Riddler, I always thought Nolan could have done a good Riddler as a, like a white collar criminal or an or a conspiracy or a not a conspiracy theorist but some kind of investment fraudster mm. or someone it could be in crypto now someone who was trying to bankrupt Bruce Wayne through technology scams and leaving his riddles that way well making him a, a serial killer was a novel idea but then there was there was very little genuine intrigue to the actual mystery. You never really yeah. get a sense of how Batman is really solving the riddles, except that the script needs him to solve the riddles. Yeah. There were there were so many moments in it that I thought were just ridiculous, like the whole car chase scene. It was far too long. I liked Ella I really liked Robert Pattinson. I liked Catwoman. Really? I, I did. I thought he was good. I liked the uh -huh. look of things. I liked that the focus was on Batman more than almost exclusively, and there wasn't much Bruce Wayne, even though it, his eyeliner looked like he was in the cure or the pesh mode. Yeah, but, there was some of that. So no, I didn't like it. Did you yeah. watch it, Joe? I did. I did. I watched it when I was sick last week, and um, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I talked about this a little bit on Glop, but um, like again, I, I think you're right about the Riddler, and it feels a little bit like like. You know the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie? Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. brilliantly shot, you know, shades of sort of taxi driver kind of thing. But mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that's sort of an interesting tell is that I know almost nobody who wants to rewatch that movie. Oh, I wouldn't. No. Yeah. It's just, it's dark. It's not entertaining, right? It's really? like, it's compelling and interesting, but yeah. it's not entertaining. It's It's sort of like, like there's not a lot of people who want to rewatch Schindler's List, yeah, you know. Right. Um, yeah. Like you feel like you have to see it, but then okay, yeah. check that box. And um, it's designed to make you crushingly sad, right? Yeah, it's from the right. open, yeah, it's right. to make you scene. <laughs> and I, I think that there was a little bit of going for that with the Riddler in this Batman movie because the whole idea of like the loser, deracinated, incel men out on the internet that yeah. you're going to like draft into being uh joining in your sort of serial killer thing had a lot of overlap with the with the joker i think they were yeah. trying to make a little bit of a political point there and and look i could, i got no problem believing that some of the nick fuentes types would yeah. be all in for that kind of stuff right. but um the other thing is like um i agree with you about pattinson i mean he's like Like, you just kind of want to slap him and say, cheer up. You know, I mean, it's just like, he's like, it's like, he's just a gray, Gee, depressing dude. And, um, um, uh, but the, the thing that sort of, and this is the thing I talked about with Todd about this is like, like, I liked the Gotham TV show. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, I think I saw the beginning, yeah, but now, I mean, it, it wasn't great, but it was, it was amusing and they were going for something. And, and like, 
the thing that I like about the Batman universe is the way they sort of revive sort of the Greek notion of the city state, right? It's the politics of Gotham are the self-contained thing and the city is its own thing and all that kind of stuff. At the same time, why the hell would you still live in Gotham? I mean, it's just <laughs> such a crap hole, right? It's and like, like Detroit mixed with Escape from New York. Exactly. You know, people are getting hey. shot and murdered all the time. Detroit's and, coming back. And like, meanwhile, like, are you investing there, Ryan? <laughs> Apparently, I'd love according, to. according to like the Justice League movie, at least, like, Metropolis is just like just across the bay. And you've got like Superman protecting people there. Like, get the freaking hell out of <laughs> Gotham. It's like, it's a, it's a death, it's a dark gray death trap. And, um, and they never sort of explain why you would want to stay. And, and clearly, like, you can't be like, you know, like the income inequality arguments don't mean anything in terms of personal safety. I mean, I, you know, first of all, Bruce Wayne's parents are murdered. That's the whole premise of the entire friggin' thing. And rich people are constantly getting offed and robbed and like the chief of the police and the mayor are getting murdered and all these different Batman movies. It's just like, like, like really your job selling, you know, reinsurance in Gotham is so important to you that you're going to like raise your kids in a place where you've got these masked lunatics running yeah. around all over the place. Yeah. And they never try to explain yeah. like why that would be. You know? Do you have a hard time sometimes separating like common sense and logic from movies, like which we're supposed to do, right? But like in this case, because it just happened to me the other day. Um, I don't have a, I I can forgive a lot. Yeah, right. But it has to be internally coherent. It has to yeah. be like the premise has to. They have to. This is like why I, I think this is George Lucas's fundamental sin with the prequels and the Star Wars movies mm -hmm. is he didn't take his own premise seriously. Yeah, and we didn't understand his own premise. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> you know, and um, and like he breaks the fourth wall. He makes jokes that are tied to American popular culture. Yeah, um, but like completely undermine a gal a long time ago in a galaxy far away. Yeah, kind of yeah. thing. And <laughs> the thing, the thing that's great about the Nolan Dark Knight stuff is that it's it's like so loyal to its own yeah. premise. Yeah. that you don't feel like it's violating anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think why, and thinking about it in that way, why the Nolan movies work so well is they're thematic, but they also stick to genre conventions. Mm -hmm. So The Dark Knight is just a crime drama that happens to have yeah. Batman in it, right. and because it has Batman and the Joker in it, it can have themes about anarchy, yeah. and morality, and so on. And The Dark Knight Rises is also essentially a crime drama, but mm -hmm. it has elements of a philosophical epic mixed yeah. in, and allusions right. to the French Revolution, and, and this new movie, again, doesn't have that, which is fine, but it's funny you mentioned the point about Gotham being cut off from everything, because that climax where he floods the city, I thought was the most ridiculous was, direction they could yeah, have spoiler gone. Spoiler alert. Yeah, but, uh, oh, yeah. And floods the city. <laughs> they murder, I mean, just murders thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And like, um, like... I, it seems to me that would be my last straw yeah. for like leaving town. You know what I mean? Like, like, like Honey, go, we got to get out of here. Like you can work remote, go to Smallville. Right. I mean, like there's yeah. other places you can live. Yeah. So I do appreciate that about the Marvel movies. A little voice crack there, but, um, is that, oh. yeah. <laughs> I'm cheering up. Yeah. 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 yeah, really, yeah. They're just so good. <laughs> no, that, um, you still can't get over Tobey Maguire. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, I know. No, that like eventually the government like steps into the superheroes and they're like, hey, you got to stop 
blowing up. <laughs> like yeah. this is a problem. Like it's I, I appreciate that in in the movies. But the other day when I had trouble separating logic from a show, it was a sitcom. It was Grace and Frankie. So I probably that's probably my own fault. I've never I don't think I've ever seen it. No, I mean really? I've never even heard oh, of that. Oh, it's actually it's actually really good. It's Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. It's currently a thing? It's it's the, well, it started <laughs> It's the longest running. I know a little too much about Grace and Frankie. I'm a little obsessed. You can tell he's whipped. Folks. I love Jane Fonda. No, no. I'm seriously, seriously. I came into this show before I got a girlfriend. It's Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin is hilarious. Uh huh. Um, and uh, it's the longest running original comedy on Netflix. So is that right? Just, yeah, they just released the last few episodes of season season seven. Uh huh. Um, and obviously, like they're old. They're literally old. And so it started years ago, and now they're like, we should probably stop this. But the premise is that Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, their characters, Grace and Frankie, are married to two lawyers that are partners, business uh -huh. partners, and they reveal that they're gay for each uh -huh. other. And then they run off, and then Grace and Frankie, who hate each other in the beginning, <laughs> classic, uh -huh, uh -huh. end up becoming best friends. It's, it's really actually... Well, I've sold. It's stupid. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's stupid. It's just like, it's clearly like... Just I'm not going to say you had me at they learned they're gay for each other, <laughs> yeah, but you know. yeah. it's it's pretty funny. It's huh. pretty funny. Yeah, it, it rings a vague bell. Like, but I don't. I've never seen a single episode of it. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. And the Netflix usually markets it pretty hard. Like, huh. it must be doing well because it's seven seasons in. Yeah, I mean, my user history of Netflix is such that like <laughs> if it doesn't involve Vikings or spaceships. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, or a handful of other then things. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> then your algorithm is not kicking it up at yeah. all. Yeah, I mean, there's no way. My, I don't think I've no. watched. I don't think I've watched any Netflix sitcom ever. Well, might I suggest Chris and Frank? Now, well, I mean, like I, 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 I've, I've good historic anti-communist <laughs> problems with Jane Fonda. But, uh, I know that's. I know I every time like I mention I it in my social circles, everyone's like, "Really, Jane Fonda?" I'm like, "Yeah, she's great." But I understand. How do you feel about the superhero fatigue argument, considering that Doctor Strange is out this week? Uh, I look. I mean, like I, I, I don't feel it. You know, um, I, 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 I but I think magic is stupid, um, <laughs> and um, magic has always been sort of st stupid um, in comic books. Uh, um, even allowing for the broad spectrum of stupidity in comic books. Um, my only art tolerance for the superhero fatigue argument is like, I think it's a legitimate complaint that it's crowding out other good kinds of movies. But, um, um, but you know, I would be betraying 12 year old Jonah if, if, if <laughs> I said, oh, they should stop making Marvel yeah, movies. Too much. Yeah. yeah right, no, right. I, can't, yeah. I can't do that. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, how long have we been going? Oh, gosh. 38 minutes. Really? Feels a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> Just get to an hour. I have, I have a question from a buddy uh -huh. about movies. Uh -huh. This is from my friend Connor, who's a very loyal listener. And he says, do you think China's going to, or do you think Hollywood will stop bending the knee to China anytime soon? Even though we're talking about new movies, it's kind of relevant. Yeah. So I mean, I think, what do we do about that? Um, but did you see that story on NR about how China wanted them to cut the Statue of Liberty out of the Spider-Man climax and they wouldn't do it? Is that right? Apparently. That's yeah. Interesting. 
Um, oh. uh, I think it's going to get better at some point, right? I mean, I, I don't think Hollywood is going to take the lead on this stuff because yeah. they're a bunch of feckless crap weasels. But um, the decoupling from China stuff is real. Yeah. And, um, um, and so I could see, you know, and so I could see in time that you'll see more and more, um, you know, it'll be at the margins where they just yeah. don't, they may not look to offend China, but they'll just like not play the games as much or they'll set things in other places yeah, and all that kind of stuff. But China is the one that's really helping the most here because they're not letting in a lot of American movies anymore. Right. And um, the more they do that, the less the reason, the less reason there is to cater to the Chinese market if they're not yeah. going to show it there in the first place. Yeah. Um, um, I am sort of fascinated though about like sort of more broadly how like the sort of anti-woke nationalist post-liberal very online right-wing crowd whatever labels we're supposed to come up with right mm -hmm. like the solution maybe not the solution but um a positive force for the cultural trends that they think are destroying the country all come from stuff that they claim not to like right so like um traditional value stuff um in terms of education mm -hmm. um even abortion that kind of stuff like the average immigrant, I mean, maybe guy accepted, but like the average, you know, like immigrant from, from, from Asia or from South America is probably more likely to want schools to actually have, you know, traditional criterias of merit and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, certainly Asian parents really don't like, yeah. um, a lot of this, let's get rid of testing. Let's get rid yeah. of, you know, like, um, objective measurements and all that kind of stuff. And, um, the same thing goes for, you know, probably a lot of like the sort of anti-woke abortion PC kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, the reason why Latinos are starting to move in the Republican column is because they don't like a lot of the PC stuff. And in right. fact, some of the polls I've seen show that, you know, it's first and second generation Asian and Hispanic Americans are much more hostile to political correctness than white Americans are. Hmm. And um, similarly, like all of the, the stuff that those Disney executives were talking about putting in Disney stuff, yeah. um, you know, putting a lot of pro trans themes, um, in kids products, which I think is just dumb on the merits, yeah. you know, um, um it's, it's not going to work. <laughs> Yeah, and the market's it, not going to respond very well. Well, yeah, but even if the domestic market would have a high tolerance for it, yeah, like you're just not going to sell that stuff in South America yeah. and in Asia, right? And right. so, um, uh, so like globalism and trade yeah. are like mitigating factors on the stuff that that you know the sort of JD Vance crowd thinks are the source of all of our problems, mm -hmm. and you can just sort of go down a long list of these kinds of things where, um the 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 supposed sources of our cultural dissolution um aren't from abroad or from without they're from within and mm -hmm. they're not from you know swarthy dusky immigrants they're from highly educated white people right. and yeah. um anyway i just think that's sort of interesting i haven't 
sort of collected all the data on it, but um, yeah. I probably should have someone who works for me start that project. <laughs> um, anyway. As long as it's not me, that sounds like it'd be really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think it's going to be, Ryan? <laughs> I could have someone who works for me start this cumbersome project. <laughs> she fill in the blank, people at home. Hmm. Okay, so with the little time we have left, we should sort of make the uh, official announcement. Yeah. Uh, May 24th, will be yep. the recording of the 500th episode of The Remnant. And I don't That's want any lot. sort of blowback from people about how do you count episode 11? We don't talk about that. <laughs> um, um, and, no, uh, no one cares except Jack and Nick. So <laughs> we, to a lesser extent. <laughs> we're going to have a uh, 500th episode Palooza event. Uh, my uh, colleagues at the American Enterprise Institute have generously agreed to let us do the event there. Um, we are going to seating is obviously limited, so don't like don't if you're listening to this right now, do not book air travel. Okay, <laughs> there'll be other opportunities to have meetups with the remnant yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you're in town and you're interested, um, we will obviously give first dibs to. Um, members of the dispatch community, dispatch subscribers, mm -hmm. um, we'll figure out where to put that link in. And I think we're just going to have to do it as a first come first serve thing. Yeah. Um, cause you know, picking winners and losers is just, it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not gets difficult. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it should be fun and I yeah. believe there will be an, an open bar at some point. And, um, we have, we've lined up some already, some of, uh, remnant fan favorites yep. to do it. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, well, stay tuned. Yeah. It's May 24th exciting. is official. May date. 24th, live taping at AI. It's going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, can we say there's going to be a Q&A? There, there will definitely be Q&A. Okay. There will definitely be Q&A. There we go. Um, um, I'm not sure we will have A's to all of the Q's, but, um, you know, that's such is the nature of the beast. Maybe um, we'll have the whole audience, if you've ever wanted to say, no, you won't, this is a podcast in unison. That's an excellent idea. No, you won't. This is but just a bunch of young white guys. I like it. Yelling, no, you won't. This is a podcast. There'll be some young white women. Uh, um, I'm sure. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that could be fun. And we have no litmus test on who shows up. So no. no. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, no, it should be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm we've lined up a couple people who are fan favorites. Yeah. I'm, I'm nervous about announcing them because that could jinx it. And all that kind yeah, of let's, stuff. Let's hold on. Um, but it's very much, you know, the, we haven't figured out the exact format. We're open to suggestions from people, but yep. the, the plan is to do a couple quick one-on-one -on -one kind of type things or one-on-two things, and then do a panel of mm -hmm. more sort of ranked punditry kind of thing. And um, um, uh, you know, with sort of love boat style cameos yep. from various people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I also want to get out in front of this. It will be released as the 500th episode. It might not necessarily be recorded in sequence. In sequence. Yeah. yeah. But before somebody says, well, wait a minute, right. just want to get that out there. We it should also be, released. be clear because I've had this argument with Caleb a little bit. This is an entirely meaningless and arbitrary thing. <laughs> and so if it actually appears as the 502nd in your feed or whatever, <laughs> You have the ability to control your reactions <laughs> to such things. Yes. And if it makes you very upset and very yes. angry, like 
the equivalent of Romulans doing things that Romulans shouldn't <laughs> do in the Star Trek, that's on you, right? Like yep. we picked this date because the room was available. Yeah. It's on or around the five hundredth yeah. episode. Um and uh um I wish we would have gold jackets to hand out of the thing, but I yeah. don't think that we will. That's tough. Um in part because um uh well we're cheap. <laughs> no, we're not cheap. It's just that, like the, no, SNL um, hasn't given us their their suppliers. Name. Yeah, and also also uh the lovely and talented and um super terrific awesome uh Valerie Smith has been on maternity leave. Yes. And she's the kind of person who would be handling that. Um, yes, her her daughter was in the office the other day. Oh man, adorable. I believe it. Adorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Winnie, right? Yes. Yes. Winnie. Yeah. Um, um, babies are good. Babies are good. All right. Uh, anything, any other action items or can, can I get the hell I out of here? <laughs> Shortest episode ever, but you're sick. I'm sick too. The energy's just low. Yeah. No, um, I, right. I, I kind of relapsed. I hadn't fully recovered and then I kind of relapsed and, um, um, I had to skip one of like the 14 book parties for Matt Cottonetti last <laughs> night, which I feel guilty about. Um, and, uh, and I didn't watch the dispatch live where he came oh, on. Yeah. Um, it was good, but I, a lot of people still want us to have him on to cover like the last 30 okay. years of conservatism. So we, okay. we will do that, but I'm, I'm letting him literally do every other yeah. podcast first. <laughs> yeah. Um, it feels like you just he, did the Ezra Klein show. I saw, just, I, I saw that. Now. I saw that. Um, and, uh, Good for him. um, you know, I think he's got like three gardening podcasts that he's going to do first and then <laughs> we'll have him, we'll have him back here. Um, great. I, I got to go write a G file and take a nap. Um, so guy, you got anything? Um, babies are good. Babies are good. Babies are good. All right. Thanks everybody. I'll see you next time. Now you want a podcast. I- Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.